You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman. Writing solo today, which was not the original plan, but I'll fill you in on uh, that little update there. But before I do, today's episode is brought to you by Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at the checkout. Now, some of you may have seen that Ted Davis was going to join us today on the podcast. Long time radio voice of the Bucks, Ted Davis, was going to jump on with me as he just arrived in Boston to run through a bunch of things, including his 22nd year with the Bucks and how excited he is to be uh, having the opportunity to announce a really, really good Bucks team after seeing a lot of not-so-good Bucks teams over the year. But, uh, Ted, to keep this long story short, we tried for about an hour, I would say, hour and a half, to get connected this morning after he just arrived in Boston with the team. And the long story short, the only way that we could connect was if he paid hefty international call fees to Australia. And we decided that was probably not necessary So Ted is going to look into getting his phone plan included, uh, to have Australia included with that, and also France, because the Bucs have got an international game this year, so he's going to get on top of that. So apologies for not having Ted today, and I was very excited to have him, but it gives me a chance to talk about that a little bit, because, you know, for me, when I think about sports, and great moments in sports and some of my favorite memories of the Bucks, Ted's voice is associated with those, as is Jim Paschke. And you know, certainly over the last couple of years, Marcus Johnson, who's been a big part of, of everything the Bucks have done, John McLaughlin as well, we should not forget him. And I think that's one of the best things about sport is that, yes, the athletes have the moment, but how many times do you think about something that you remember, a big moment, and it might be, uh, you know, for the Bucks? I know one that I always remember, and everyone that listens to this podcast knows it's Ted Davis's voice on that Giannis buzzer beater in New York. And I remember that call. I was listening to that call, and I'll never forget that night. I was in Lake Tahoe in the middle of a snowstorm. I was in a car listening to the audio of that. It was snowing like crazy outside. Yeah, I was just scrapping to get any type of feed of this game. And Giannis's fading buzzer beater against the Knicks at Madison Square Garden 
And it was Ted Davis's voice that I was listening to on this crazy night in Tahoe. And I always remember that. I remember the Mo Williams buzzer beater. And you'll hear me talk about this game a lot. This is a game that I will never forget. Bucks down at the Bradley Center down big on the paces in the fourth quarter. They come from nowhere. Mo Williams hits a buzzer beater to end the game, to win the game for the Bucks. And again, I was listening to Ted Davis's voice. So, you know, I'm definitely going to get Ted on this podcast at some point. There's no question about that. Uh, it's just uh, we had a few little teething issues, I will say, uh, today, which was was unfortunate because uh, I know Ted was excited to come on here as well. So instead, you are going to have uh, me rambling uh, for you know the next 20, 25 minutes or so. So hopefully uh, you will stick with me for that. But before I get into some of this, uh, some of the Bucks things and some of the happenings that have happened over the last 24 hours post uh, the Cleveland game, including some locker room stuff I want to talk about and also a couple of little things from practice today, I just wanted to touch on a little bit of housekeeping here. And that was the audio for, for this podcast. So thankfully, I've, I've had a bunch of people that have uh, reached out to me and, and said, uh, you know, your audio is soft <laughs> and there's really no other way to put that. And I, I, first of all, thank you guys for reaching out. I said when I took over this podcast that uh, I need you guys to tell me if things aren't up to scratch and that goes for telling me what you want to hear on the podcast, but it also goes for uh, stuff like that. If the quality isn't good enough, um, then I need to hear that. So I appreciate it. A couple of you guys that uh, reached out, Scooter McBuckets was one of them. So thank you to you. And it did prompt me to throw a bit of money down on some equipment today. So I'm working through how to how to best use uh, that uh, equipment at this point. But uh, yeah, I mean the the big point is that we want this podcast to be a, as good an experience for the for the listeners as possible. So thank you to that. And another shout out needs to go to Nick Snyder, who has had me bombarding him with messages all day about the audio for this podcast and how I can make it better and what equipment I need. I am far from an audio expert. So without Nick's help today, I would have been in a lot of trouble. And, and Nick was actually the one that helped out with the live pod. I know a lot of you were out there at, at Broken uh, Bat Brewing last season. So Nick was behind that as well. So certainly a friend of the podcast and I appreciate uh, Nick's help through the day. And stick with me with this audio stuff. I am working through it all. And we certainly hope to have this thing rolling pretty well moving forward from, from here on out. And today's a little bit of a test run, but certainly hoping to, to have this up to scratch sooner rather than later. So one of the things I wanted to talk about is a fun topic. It's kind of a foreign topic for me, actually. And that is Halloween. It is Halloween right now, or it is in, in the coming days. I guess. And today at practice, there was a fair bit of talk about, about Halloween and what costumes the guys dressed up as when, they, as when they were younger. And I think to the surprise of no one, Brooke Lopez or the Lopez brothers are big Halloween guys. <laughs> and uh, Lopez admitted himself that Batman was a big uh, costume that he went as multiple times. He said that him and Robin dressed up as Power Rangers one year as a sort of a, a tandem tandem costume, which I thought was kind of interesting. But 
yeah, it's 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 a fun time of year. I think yesterday for the Cleveland game, we saw Thanasis, and I know the Bucks' social media was playing around with that uh, a little bit in terms of uh, trying to get people to guess who who it was in the costume. But I think it was Thanasis that went as the as the wolf um, walking into Fiserv uh, for that game. So that was a little bit of fun. But perhaps the best answer we got from practice today was Chris Middleton, who said as a ten or eleven year old, he went into Halloween, I guess a Halloween party, or maybe he was walking the streets. I don't, I'm not too sure as Cisco. And I was laughing a lot when I heard this, because when I'm thinking about Chris Middleton walking in as a 10 or 11 year old, as he said, walking into a Halloween party dressed as Cisco, I'm like, is this guy walking around singing the thong song as he's walking the streets uh, as a kid? I'm not too sure. That was definitely the answer of the day. Bud, uh, Mike Budenholzer also said that he would often just go dressed as a footballer. He said he went as a Cowboys player. I wasn't a big fan of that. I don't think there's too many. There probably wouldn't be too many Dallas Cowboy fans, listeners of this podcast. I mean, I wouldn't imagine. That would be my guess if I'm guessing the demographic of, of, of this of this podcast of, of the listeners. But yeah, it's such a foreign thing to me because obviously in Australia, we don't really celebrate Halloween. So I always have a little bit of fun with that, hearing what people, you know, what what you guys get up to in America. Not that everyone that listens to this podcast is American, but it is a it's a it's a foreign thing to me. I've never dressed up on Halloween. The closest I've ever had to doing anything Halloween or celebrating anything Halloween at all was uh, a couple of years ago, two years ago, I think. I was in I was in California actually. It was around. Uh, I mean, it was obviously around Halloween time and I was with a couple of people and we spent multiple hours carving some Bucks pumpkins who was, I think it was supposed to be the starting lineup actually, but I'm not sure how close they look to the real like players, but there was a lot of effort put into that. That is all I can say about that. There was multiple hours spent carving these, these pumpkins. So yeah, that's about as close as I can get to that. But it got me wondering because there has to be some pretty good costumes out there. And I would imagine that most of the people that listen, listen to this podcast are big Bucks fans. And I'm wondering what kind of Bucks related costumes you guys have had over the years. Because if I think about what I would dress up as and Bud himself said that, you know, I was a little boring. I wasn't the most adventurous with my football player uh, costumes. And I would agree. I mean, that's kind of a, a basic costume, but then I think about myself and what I would get dressed up as. And I think I would be, you know, I'd probably be a Bucks player. Maybe I would have been dressed up as a little like Andrew Bogut as a, as a teenager. I'm not, I'm not too sure, but yeah, you guys can let me know what you guys have dressed up as over the years. And if, if there's ever been any cool Bucks costumes, or maybe you can put some photos or send some photos up. I'm not too sure. I'm sure more than one of you have had some Bucks related stuff before. And you can do that on the Locked On Bucks Twitter or myself. I don't think I've really plugged this at all since I've taken over. You can get me on Twitter at Kane Pittman and also Frank at, at Frank Madden NBA. And that's good for anything. That's good for any comments on the pod, any advice, any suggestions, any things you want us to talk about. And really just anything at all. Anyone that follows me on Twitter knows that uh, I talk a lot of rubbish on there. I like to have a little bit of fun and it's not always Bucks related. So don't be shy there. I know 
longtime listener of the podcast, Old Resorter, often is on there giving us some some really good stats and and feedback from the podcast and some of his opinions, which is which is always really uh, welcomed by both of us. But I think I've rambled on about random stuff for for long enough here, and it might be time to start to look at some some buck stuff from the post game against Cleveland. Okay, so interestingly enough, in the post game, and I, I, you know, I generally spend, you know, now that I'm back in Australia, I'm not in the locker room. I'll spend the 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 next day or an off day watching the the post game reaction and seeing what comes of that. And you know, Giannis is always something, someone interesting to listen to. I'm sure a lot of you guys heard these comments, but I just wanted to touch on a couple of things from Giannis's post game. Okay, first of all. He, he had some comments about Boston and he was asked about the challenge of playing Boston and what this will mean for this Bucks team that are, you know, in many respects still finding their feet in this season and working through a bunch of different things. So Giannis did make the comment that Boston always play hard. They're a competitive team, whether they have a superstar or they don't have a superstar. And that was the thing that was interesting to me because yes, I, I would agree. If you look at this Boston team, they lose Kyrie Irving. He was really the star power, wasn't he? And then you also had Al Horford, a previous all-star, and really the guy that made things tick for this Boston team. So it's interesting to note now that perhaps that was a slip of the tongue, I'm not too sure, but perhaps that's how people view this Boston team now within the league and players that these guys that the Celtics hope become stars and you're talking about Jalen Brown, a guy that just got a hundred plus million dollar contract uh, to stay in Boston. Jason Tatum is not going to be too far away from that either himself. That's where this Celtics team is interesting to look at now because they're really hoping that their addition by subtract by subtraction is Kyrie Irving getting the hell out of that locker room because that's been the type of of uh, words you've got out of the Boston camp ever since things went down and, and the Bucks polished them off in five games last year. It was like, yeah, well, I know we said all year that the locker room was fine and Kyrie was fine, but it really wasn't. And Kyrie was the problem. And that's basically what they've said. So now it's going to be interesting to watch this Boston team as the season comes through and see how they can gel together. Because to me, they've still got a bunch of guys that just don't fit. They've got some talent. They've got a bunch of individually talented players but I don't really see how they fit as a team. That includes Campbell Walker that they brought in. So I want to touch a little bit on more, a little bit more on that uh, later on. The other interesting thing that Yana spoke about was the free throws. Now I know Frank said last night uh, after the after the Cavs win that he's starting to feel a little bit anxious about Giannis's free throw shooting, and I don't blame him for that. Giannis, as I mentioned, 15 for 28 from the free throw line at this point, 53%. That's not good. That's, that's a very bad free throw percentage for Giannis. Now, it's only three games, so it's a small sample size. But Giannis was asked about the free throws after the game. And he said, well, I'm not worried about it. I'm not concerned. I didn't make them tonight. I'll make them tomorrow. 
Now, he'll certainly be hoping that he makes free throws tonight against Boston on the road. But this is going to be a big challenge because he's averaging nearly 10 free throw attempts per game at the moment. And if Giannis is a guy that the opposition can willingly foul and expect in big situations, in crunch situations, that he's just not going to get the job done, then that, that will become an issue for the Bucs. And there's no way to avoid that. Throughout his career, he's obviously had some free throw issues, but generally he's hung around that sort of mid-70s zone. Clearly that dropped in the playoffs last year and against Toronto, he had some real struggles. And you really would have hoped that he'd come into this season, he's knocking them down and he's looking really good. The fact that he started even uh, worse than that, definitely something to watch. I don't think it's anything to get overly panicked about just yet but it's certainly something that you want to see improve. And it was interesting after the game, and Frank mentioned this on the podcast, and I hadn't seen the video at that point when he mentioned that, but Justin Garcia, who also joined us on, on Locked on Bucks last week, posted a video from the booth at Fiserv Forum of both Eric Bledsoe and Giannis shooting free throws after the game. This is nothing new for Giannis. We know that he does this after games. He's been known to go back to the practice facility and get up shots when he doesn't shoot the ball well. He's been known to be out on the floor and shoot free throws. So not a huge shock that Giannis was out there working on his shot. Again, I mean, in an ideal world, he wouldn't have to do that. (laughs) But the fact that he's out there tells you that he's not satisfied and he's going to continue to work on this. But today at practice, or yesterday at practice now, I should say, by the time you guys listen to this, Stephen Watson, um, TV, sports presenter, Channel 12, he made comment on Twitter that uh, Kyle Korver was seen with Eric Bledsoe as the media was allowed into practice and was discussing with those guys, uh, well, with Eric Bledsoe in particular, and just going through some, some, shoot, some shots. And this is the interesting thing to me because generally I would say that being able to make real improvements on the fly during the NBA season would be very, very difficult to do. Like, uh, I don't know if that's something that's even really possible from a mechanical standpoint. Maybe mental, because maybe, you know, you get in such a confident rhythm that you, you just start knocking down shots. From afar, it's really hard to tell how much of this for Giannis is, is mental and how much of that is physical. I mean, there's certainly a bunch of people out there, and I saw a, a long thread today that was running through a bunch of things that are potentially wrong with Giannis's shot. It was an interesting read. But I'm sure that Giannis is getting some great advice on, on his shooting. And maybe he has made significant changes with his shot. And it's a mental thing. And the pressure of being at the free throw line in crunch situations is something he's dealing with. So maybe that's something you can work on. But Kyle Corver is a little bit of a wild card in this for me. Because Kyle Corver is someone that hasn't spent a lot of time with these guys. We saw him spending some time with Giannis in the offseason. This is well before the FIBA stuff over in Santa Barbara. And this was the first sign that we got that, hey, maybe, maybe Kyle Korver's coming to the Bucs and this is going to be pretty fun. Well, Giannis then went to the World Cup. He was away from the team. And now they've only had a few weeks together. Yeah, really. And this is going to be the interesting thing for me to monitor through the season is what kind of impact can Kyle Korver have when the purest shooters in NBA history, what impact can he have 
on Giannis, and also perhaps Eric Bledsoe, who we've spoke a lot about in the in the last sort of few days and, and through the first week of the season, who's really struggling with his shot as well. What kind of impact can Kyle Korver have with these guys? And can he get their confidence up to a level and perhaps make a few minor tweaks in their in their shot and get them shooting at a higher percentage? To me, Kyle Korver a real wild card, and that's before you even look at what he's been doing on the floor so far. In 17 minutes per game, Kyle Korver, I'll spit that out, shooting 53% from three on five attempts per game. It's exactly what we thought he was going to do when he came to Milwaukee, play short minutes, get up a bunch of threes and hit a really high percentage of them. A lot of them are open threes. That's the benefit he's getting from the offense. But yeah, for mine, Kyle Korver's impact goes much further than on the court. Hopefully, through the season, we start to see some of those benefits off the court. All right, let's finish this thing off over the next sort of five to ten minutes by looking at the matchup tonight against Boston. Just a reminder, this is at 6.30 Central on ESPN, another national TV game for the Bucks against one of their real rivals. And this is something we spoke about. The Bucks have not been good enough to have rivals in the past. Two teams that they really always seem to get up for, the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers. They get their first look at Boston this season. This was a team that they had a lot of success against last year. Obviously, we all know what happened in the second round, but the Bucks get up for playing the Celtics, and, the, and they will be for this one. I think that they've had some struggles with motivation over the last couple of games. We spoke about this a lot yesterday, but I don't think they're going to have any such problem here with the Celtics. But just a couple of numbers I wanted to run through that sort of pertain to what we could see from this Celtics team in this game. Because again, yeah, we, we've, we spoke about the defense at length a little bit yesterday. We touched on the Bucks giving up a bunch of mid-range shots, which again, this is nothing new. This is what the Bucks defense did last year. I think it's been interesting to watch how they have at times struggled with bigs that can shoot the ball. Now, this is again, nothing new. And it's really interesting now to look at this Celtics matchup because remember Al Horford? Remember that first game last year, the Bucks come in 7-0. and They go on the road to TD Garden in Boston and Al Horford torches the Bucks. He's shooting threes. He's drawing, he's forcing wild closeouts from the Bucks players, making the right pass in the pick and roll. Al Horford was an absolute beast and a big reason why the Bucks lost that game. They still didn't lose by a lot, mind you, but uh, Al Horford was the difference there. And we've seen in the past how he can, he can cause some issues. So this is what I'm interested to see in this game because this is really the first time the Bucks are coming up against a team that doesn't have guys that are really going to torture you from the outside from three. Now, I'm mostly talking about big guys here because when you think about the Bucks pick and roll coverage, it's been a little interesting. We've seen Kelly Olenek has already given the Bucks some trouble getting hot from three. Kevin Love didn't have a huge game the other night, but I think he makes you think. He makes you think in a different way because in those pick and roll situations, he can pop to the top, he can shoot from the outside, and I think that forces different decisions to be made. When you look at this Celtics team, they really don't have any bigs that can shoot. I mean, I look at the, these guys through the first three games, and you have Enes Kanter. He's not going to shoot threes. 
Grant Williams, Robert Williams, Daniel Teese, Semi Ojale. These guys, these guys aren't going to shoot threes. So I, I think we will see the Celtics try and go small a lot. They've got a really interesting bunch of guys, as I said, a bunch of guys that I'm not sure that fit really well. A lot of good individual players, but the fact that they don't really have a big that's going to trouble the Bucks from the outside, I think makes it a lot easier for Milwaukee to run the defense that they want to run, and that's protect the restricted area and force guys to take shots from where they want to shoot the ball, and that's from the mid-range. And we know that Boston have a number of guys that are very happy to shoot there. Jason Tatum is one of them. He gets on the Tough Shot Express every single night. Gordon Haywood is another guy that'll shoot uh, from mid-range there. Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker's the one. Now, he, he's given the Bucks some troubles. You know, you think back to last year on opening night, I think he had 40. And the Bucks just get home on the Nicholas Batum missed heave at the buzzer there on the road to get things started last season. But Kemba Walker in, over the years, really the Charlotte Hornets in general, you remember the Bucks defense. They were really the one team last year when the Bucks were refusing to switch on defense. It was like, oh, we're playing the Hornets. Oh, we're in a bit of trouble here. Okay, we need to start switching. And then the Bucks would get back into the game. So Kemba Walker is someone, obviously, to keep an eye on, particularly in those pick-and-roll situations. Obviously, uh, a really good handle and can pull up from anywhere, got ridiculous range and can shoot the shot. So clearly, Kemba Walker is someone to watch. But when I look through some of the numbers that I'd sort of touched on last uh, episode, and one of those was the Bucks were giving up 50% from 10 to 14 feet that was prior to the Cavs game. So those numbers now have been updated. So the Bucks, are sh- uh, Bucks opponents are shooting 42.4% in that 10 to 14 range. So first of all, you can see how noisy these numbers are early in the season. That's going to bounce up and down, and you're going to see that throughout the first month. But that is trending in the right direction. The Cavs, particularly in the second half, when the Bucks look like they figured a few things out, they were able to cut some of those, some of those looks and make some of those shots contested and force tough shots. And if you're forcing tough shots from the mid-range, I mean, you're going to live with it if they hit them. So that was 10 to 14, 42.4%. Interesting that 15 to 19, the opponents are still shooting 47.4%. So that's when the Bucks allow these guys to walk around on the pick and roll, the, the big whoever that may be at the time. Most of that's just say Brooke Lopez for this instance, and guys are able to get a rhythm mid-range shot. Now, that's going to be the one that's going to be interesting to watch in this game, particularly when you compare that to the Celtics' numbers on the season so far. From 10 to 14 feet, Boston shooting just 32%, and from 15 to 19, they're only shooting 35 So, first of all, Boston are going to get those shots up. They're shots that they're willing to take. But to this point, they have not been hitting those mid-range jumpers. So, I will be interested to see how the Bucks defend this. Of course, this is going to be extended out to the three-point line where a couple of volume shooters for the Celtics, the Bucks defense, are going to have to be wary of. Tatum and Kemba Walker, again, we keep mentioning them. But Jason Tatum, 7.3 three-point attempts per game. Kemba Walker, 8.7 three-point attempts per game. So they're going to let it fly from out there. And the Bucks are going to have to be wary that those two guys don't get hot on the night. But the final point I want to make about this game, when I look at this matchup, We've mentioned Al Horford a couple of times here. Al Horford was a guy that... And look, again, before I even go here, let's be real about this. No one really stops Giannis. But out of guys that have had success at somewhat slowing him down over patches in games, Al Horford has been one of those. 
at times he's had success defending Giannis. So without Al Horford there, I look at this Celtics roster and I'm just not sure what they're going to do to stop Giannis. I mean, I know Celtics fans got excited about a tiny little patch of semi ogile a couple of years ago in the playoffs. That's great. He wasn't able to do anything last year in the playoffs. And his canter ain't going to stop Giannis. <laughs> I mean, let's be real about that. So when I look at these Celtic uh, bigs, I think that this has all the makings of Giannis having a really, really big night. And remember, we already spoke about the fact that he averaged 31 points against this Celtics team last season. So I will leave that as my final thought on this game. And we'll see whether I'm right about that when this game rolls around tomorrow night. But I'm expecting Giannis to, you know, and a couple of things here. First of all, the fact that he sort of struggled in that game against Cleveland by his standards, you know, didn't, didn't shoot the ball well, hasn't hit a couple of threes now for a few games, free throw lines providing some struggles, just not able to get to his spots. He did have the eight turnovers against Miami, so just a couple of rough little outings here for Giannis. I'm expecting him to explode tomorrow night. Like I said, he really enjoys playing against the Celtics. This whole Bucks team does. So my thought would be look out for a monster night from Giannis tomorrow night against the Celtics. And I'm not sure that they really have a guy that is going to be capable of slowing him down. You're going to see a bunch of bodies that are going to get thrown at Giannis, but they would be the two, two things I'm looking at. Mid-range shots. Can the Bucs keep the Celtics' struggles in the mid-range going? And, can the, and are the Celtics going to have any answer for Giannis? I like this matchup for the Bucs. I don't like the Celtics' offense at this point. I think they, they lack passing guards or forwards. I think they lack passes. I think too much isolation stuff. I think when you go isolation against the Bucs, the Bucs like it. So as I said, I am going to leave it there with those thoughts on this game. We'll see what happens. Frank will be back tomorrow night. But as I wrap this up, a reminder that the podcast was brought to you by Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at the checkout. So as I said right off the top, apologies for Ted Davis not being able to join us today. I guess that's one of the struggles when you've got a guy trying to host this podcast from Australia. As someone mentioned on Twitter, Maybe that's just a a sign that I do need to get back to Milwaukee even quicker than I am trying to at the moment. But Ted will be with us soon. Like I just said, Frank will be back tomorrow. We're going to wrap up this Bucks-Celtics game, 6.30 p.m. on ESPN. Don't miss that, and I'll speak to you guys tomorrow.